Hey, how's it going, folks? It's Abdullah and Bean, and welcome to another episode of Moment in Weed, our companion series to great moments in weed history. It's a little bit looser, it's a little bit wilder, and we're only talking about current topics in cannabis. This is our weekly show. Anytime that you do not hear one of our traditional great moments in weed history episodes, of which recent ones include interviews with Niambe Tosh the daughter of reggae legend Peter Tosh, and of course, football and cannabis legend Ricky Williams. Isn't that right, Bean? Yeah, thank you to everybody who had some kind words about both of those episodes. I would say my two favorite comments were on the Peter Tosh episode, I'm from Jamaica, and I didn't know some of this weed history from my home island. And for Ricky Williams, I literally despise the game of football, and I really enjoyed your episode. You know what? That's really great to hear. I think football is a little bit of a polarizing game. I personally love it. A lot of people think it's ridiculous, including my girlfriend, but I don't think you have to understand the game to understand Ricky's incredible journey with cannabis and football. Absolutely. So just to reiterate, however you got to what you're hearing now, unless you are having a auditory hallucination of my voice, which is both flattering and uh, a bit concerning, (laughs) this one podcast feed is the place to find great moments in weed history and moments in weed. And of course, if you want to go the next step and see us in our incredible weedy backgrounds, The video version of Moments in Weed is exclusively available to our supporters on Patreon. You can go to greatmomentsinweedhistory.com to support this podcast. You could put five on it and get these exclusive video feeds. Please check us out, greatmomentsinweedhistory.com. And if you don't have the ducats right now, we totally understand. If you still love the show and want to help us out, please tell your friends about great moments in weed history. All right. It's a good yeah. episode. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> a rare double confused silence. As we... yeah, it almost never happens with us two weird voice yammer mouths. Um, (laughs) but there we are. And you get a little of the live and loose feel of this iteration of our show. I think what's happening here is that it's a moment in weed and yet we didn't, uh, we didn't do what the title promises. We, you know, we start these off right away with getting blazed. What, what do you got to puff on today? I have my newest Sherlock shout out MJW Glass who made me this custom piece And it's packed up with some high 90s watermelon sherbet. Excellent. And if any mysteries crop up, crop up, (laughs) fun for the day, in the course of this episode, you are ready to obviously solve them. I decided to keep it super (laughs) real this week. Little shout out to our folks in the Prohibition States. I'm going to smoke some pipe resin. Oh, really? oh it, it's Wait, hard. why? What is happening at Casa de Bean that you're smoking pipe resin? Just trying to keep it real, man. You know, for the <laughs> folks still exhaling through a toilet paper tube stuffed full of dryer yeah, sheets. You know, it's uh, known as the sploof uh, in, in in some regions. 
Uh, but yeah, so uh, Bean, uh, he, he's on a he's on a stoner strike right now. He will not smoke cannabis. He'll only smoke resin until everybody can smoke cannabis, right? Oh, wait. Isn't that what Bart, you were saying earlier? Remember what I was, said? Uh, no, I know. I said that's today. It's, it's like the day of atonement. Uh, oh, I see. So tomorrow you'll continue smoking weed despite all of our friends out there who have no weed. That's okay. I understand. I understand. I am Sparkabus. You know, if we all do it. <laughs> you fucker. <laughs> I'm Spartacus! 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 Spartacus is really good. I'm I'm gonna just Throw it out here that, that we should just write a historical drama called Sparkabus. <laughs> I do notice that you are still smoking that delicious high 90s first run cannabis flower out of a yeah. perfectly clean, beautiful pipe. Yes, I, I know. I I, uh, I stand against the plebeians. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I demand that they continue working in the hash mines, cultivating all the fineries. For us uh, upper crust, you know, cannabis smoker types, uh, thank you, thank you, and you know, uh, <laughs> let them smoke mids. <laughs> let them smoke wedding cake, but the bad pheno, yeah, you know what good. I mean? Yeah. The one that let, the, let them smoke blue dream. Oof. No, I didn't say it. That's too harsh. That's too harsh. <laughs> That's too fucked up. All right, folks, we're a little actually, and I got to say, our our story for today is some next level shit, and you're gonna know what mm. I what I mean in a second. Wonderful. I can't wait to hear. All right. Have you heard of Zide Door? Z-I-D-E. Zide Door. No, I have not. What is Zide Door, pray tell? A quick shout out. This is from an article that I just published with Leafly. Thanks to them for many years of supporting my journalism. I got to have a pretty unique experience. As far as I know, I'm the only journalist who's done this. I'm going to read you the first sentence and we'll be off and running. Okay. Zide Door's front door faces the street in an industrial section of Oakland, California. But the portal into America's only openly operating psychedelic mushroom access point is completely unmarked. Whoa, this is fantastic. Okay, so Oakland is perhaps one of the cities that's decriminalized psychedelics. Is that right? Yes, that is right. Cities and states are really starting to chip away at the laws against psychedelics now, something very similar to what we've seen over the last 25 years with cannabis. In May 2019, voters in Denver made it the first city to decriminalize psilocybin, which is the active or magic ingredient in magic mushrooms <laughs> they've legalized magic finally <laughs> out of the shadows <laughs> but so that was may 2019 that was a huge seismic event and over the next two years other cities followed oakland california santa cruz california washington dc a few towns in massachusetts Pass these laws. Denver and Detroit have measures now. Some of them decriminalize mushrooms and some of them make it the police's lowest law enforcement priority. 
Wow. I, you know, I, I think it's so emblematic of the social pendulum, right? When tobacco was a thing, right? They were like, everybody smoke. Pregnant women smoke. Doctors <laughs> smoke. Little children smoke. Everybody wants to smoke. Enjoy a lucky strike. Enjoy Virginia Sims. Smoking all the time. Blowing smoke, smoke, smoke. And then the pendulum swung the other way and they were like, smoking is bad. Smoking is terrible. Smoking is the worst. Tobacco is the most evil monster. Everything is... <laughs> so of course, America also goes from like, Cannabis and psychedelics are evil, like monstrous plants that will kill your children to like, oh, like this is really good for your anxiety. <laughs> and the pendulum, just like a matter of years, just completely swings the other way. And suddenly everybody's like, yeah, inject psilocybin into your genitals, people. Like, let's do it. I talked to one of the people who worked on this Oakland measure. It was unanimously approved by the city council. And they were like hardened weed activists at, at mm -hmm. least a lot of the people in this movement and they were just you know it took brownie mary getting arrested and dennis perone getting shot by the cops yeah. and they said they pretty much were like hey we're the mushroom people we i you maybe you should say and they were like cool man yeah done we got we got it's zoning like, shit we have to deal with you mushroom jerks have no idea how we struggled with weed <laughs> And then just best of all, the most exciting maybe is in the entire state of Oregon, which I, is it Oregon or Oregon? I think it's, it's Oregon. Uh, <laughs> I bought some Oregon from a guy in Washington <laughs> Square Park that he told me was a dime bag of weed. So too soon. <laughs> in 2020, Oregon voters approved two statewide measures, one that decriminalized all drugs. Like Portugal style, essentially. Yes. And a separate law that got a little less attention because it's going to take some time to roll out that actually legalized psilocybin. So not just decriminalizing it, not just saying you won't get arrested. The Oregon Health Authority is currently working on regulations for the cultivation, sale and distribution of psilocybin mushrooms the one caveat is these will all be at least initially administered in licensed environments in a in a therapeutic setting. That's great. We've all been hearing more about psilocybin being used in a psychiatric setting. People are having sessions where they take mushrooms and then chill with their therapist all day, which sounds fucking rough, but I'm sure that it like gets you through some shit. A lot of us have recreationally used mushrooms and they are really, really fun, but they have incredible value for like self-introspection, self-actualization. I would really like to try this. You know, I've done ketamine in a psychiatric setting, which I did for a documentary, which is on YouTube. You can check that out. I'm definitely, I'm a believer in the use of these types of psychedelics or dissociative drugs in a medical setting. And it's great to know that People have an option. Absolutely. I do want to offer a word of caution. You know, these are powerful substances. But I also want to say I have personally had really breakthrough type results from therapeutic use of psilocybin mushrooms. So when we say that mushrooms have been decriminalized in Oakland, that does not necessarily give you any legal standing to commercially cultivate or distribute them. What Zion Dor is saying is that we are a church and federal law protecting religious use of these types of drugs is our standing to operate. Mm -hmm. We have seen cases all the way to the Supreme Court granting uh, certain Native American 
traditional practicers a right to use other substances. But when it comes to mushrooms and even when it comes to cannabis, this is not settled case law as evidenced by an August 2020 raid by the Oakland Police Department of Zydor, which is really when it came to the public attention that this was even happening. Previous to that, they kept their name completely off the internet. They operated wholly by word of mouth. And then, of course... These cops are being paid by you. Is that what you want them to be doing? Raiding a mushroom church? You wouldn't see this happen to any other religious group, right? They like They wouldn't be raided for having sacramental wine or whatever. But... I'm just glad to know that this place exists. Yeah, they were open again the next day. Basically, the police showed up. They had a search warrant. They grabbed all the money and mushrooms that they could, left, uh, and no, there's certainly been no charges filed since. So just the civil forfeiture, basically. Yeah, or I think the other really technical term is smash and grab. Yeah, th this is a smash and grab because here's the funny thing about that. And if you don't know about civil forfeiture, there's a really great Last Week Tonight with John Oliver from a few years back that explains it, right? Public trust in the police is one of the most vital elements in a civilized society. But for many Americans, that trust has been undermined by a procedure called civil forfeiture. Now, I know it sounds like a Gwyneth Paltrow euphemism for divorce, but, <laughs> but incredibly, it's actually even worse than that. Civil asset forfeiture is really a mechanism by which the state and federal government can seize people's property without having to convict them of a crime. Most people can't afford to hire a lawyer to challenge it. It's really legalized robbery by law enforcement. When the police came and robbed this church of its money, they get to keep that money. It's a church. They robbed a church. You paid the police as a taxpayer to go rob this church, and now they have more money. But the good news is I, I was able to spend about an hour visiting Zydor, and I talked to the founder of what is called the Church of Entheogenic Plants. And yeah, he said we opened our doors the next day. This raid was predicated on bullshit information that was supplied to get the warrant. and. If and when it comes to it, we are prepared to sue in federal court to defend our religious liberty in this case. The fact that this story is out there, the fact that, you know, now Zydor can actually be more public than it's been, it's just going to help this cause. Nobody's going to want to see this happen in the future. Hopefully the police learn from that. What it would do is establish a federal legal precedent that then other people who want to create churches like this can point to, and that would have a real effect if you were able to win in federal court. And of course, you know, one thing that Dave Hodges, the founder of this church, stresses a lot is many religious traditions have initiation rites and other ceremonial use of psychedelic and psychotropic plants. So while it might look unusual to us living in this war on drugs paradigm, there is really nothing unusual about incorporating these types of practices into a religious or spiritual church. Yeah, and uh, a little reminder to any followers of major religions out there, one or more of your 
profits, we're probably tripping on psychedelics. Hate to tell you that if it's going to shatter your entire worldview, but seeing things like a burning bush or communing with a god that's descending upon you from the sky, a being made of infinite light, uh, those are psychedelic experiences. Whether that's, you know, like, like completely internal uh, or, you know, it's aided by some sort of external chemical input, those are psychedelic experiences. You can totally have that kind of experience yourself. I'm not telling you that you're going to become Jesus. I'm just telling you that every person has access to these types of transcendental experiences, and they're achieved through the substances that we're talking about here. Yeah, of course, including the church's founder, Dave Hodges, who what was so fascinating about him to me was he looks and talks like the computer repair technician he once was. <laughs> Minus the logo, he looks like the guy who showed up from Geek Squad. Hey, we are geeks here and we love other geeks. Absolutely. And uh, he went on a journey uh, sort of from micro doses to museum doses to macro doses to heroic doses to Ooh. The dose that will allow you, in his words, to directly communicate with entities from the other side. Wow. Yeah, that's I've never taken that level of doses of psilocybin specifically. I've had doses like that of LSD where you are like, oh, I'm in another place. Or it's like where you open your eyes and then you open them again and then you open them again. And you realize <laughs> Galaxy like, brain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fractal mind state. Uh, but that's fantastic, man. What a, what a great story. And it's, you know, I'm really glad to hear he practices what he preaches. Yes, indeed he does. And uh, so I'll give you a little rundown of what it's like if you if you show up at Zydor. As 40,000 people have been through the doors of this place by the, by the church's account. Amazing. So you do have to be 18 plus. You have to show up in person. I guess you have to be uh, in a physical form. <laughs> recognizable as a humanoid uh yeah i guess i don't know it doesn't say it to be to be perfectly <laughs> frank and you have to sign a waiver declaring that you're not a law enforcement officer or informant and that you accept entheogenic plants as part of your religion maybe that's what the cops have been so mad about this whole time <laughs> they're like we're the only guys not allowed in this party we're gonna raid you <laughs> So then you enter this space and, you know, there's definitely some adornment around. There is a area that they were using as a smoking lounge pre-COVID. They were also hosting regularly sermons and community meetings and educational events. A lot of that has slowed down for now. The general aesthetic, uh, close to our hearts, kind of feels like an underground punk club inside. <laughs> yeah, I'm down. <laughs> Down to do mushrooms there, yes. <laughs> yes. And this is, of course, you know, when you might get raided by the police <laughs> at any moment, you know, you don't want to put in a lot of uh, expensive decorations. But then mm. when you go to the back, you go past the pulpit in the pews, there's one big display case of cannabis and another for psychedelic mushrooms. The mushrooms come dried or they're blended into chocolate bars or as a tea. Mm. They're all cubensis, because that's the kind of mushroom that can be cultivated most efficiently indoors. Yeah, I think that's pretty much all most of us have had. Uh, if, you know, in the United States, if you've bought an eighth of mushrooms and eaten it, it's probably been cubensis. 
Hamilton Morris, if you're listening, we're not talking about you. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I've eaten every kind of mushroom known to man today. The Zapotec Indians believed that fungi would emerge as a response to lightning striking the earth. Now, we understand that mushrooms exist to release spores into the environment. But why some produce psilocybin has yet to be explained. Like weed strains, they come in a, in a bunch of different varieties and they have some pretty wild names. On the day that I visited, there were 14 different varieties with names like Avery's Albino, Golden Teachers, and Cambodian. Whoa, mushroom strains. I mean, of course, you know, having been to Amsterdam, I know that there's like a variety of stuff. There's like Hawaiian and Philosopher's Stones and whatever else, right? But it's so cool to think that we might, here in the United States, where we revolutionized the cultivation of various cannabis strains, right, that we might do the same thing for mushrooms and increase in quality, increase in potency, increase in variety like we did with everything else. America does not have the best track record with drugs. But we do know when drugs become legal, that we do a bang up job with them. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just excited for a future where we're going to have these types of options. Yeah. And you're seeing and I'm sure you where you live are seeing this too. Kind of like mushroom chocolate brands popping Mm -hmm. up. These are very underground. This is unregulated. Oh, yes. My friend, I have a really big weed stash. But I also have a pretty solid psychedelic (laughs) stash. And it's a lot of branded stuff. I mean, like, you know, of course, we know some homies, some friends of the podcast who are are in this space. It looks so professional in in many cases where, like, the exact contents are listed on the package. There's nutritional facts. You know what you're getting. You know how much to eat as opposed to the mushroom chocolates you get in the string cheese lot, like, you know, circa 2003. (laughs) Hey, I told you, split that chocolate in half and eat the second half at set break. If you can't listen to simple instructions, uh, that is the origin story of this podcast, by the way. I know, right? Never made it in the show. I've never seen string cheese incident live, but I've purchased drugs in their lot many times. (laughs) Yes, shout out to that whole crew doing good work. And I'm just saying... Is it the time to form a church? Maybe it is. Church of Great Moments in Weed History, man. We are already, it's like, you know, like the canon already exists, right? These are basically just biblical fables about like Maya Angelou and Fela Kuti. The story of St. <laughs> <Saint> Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> he would definitely be a saint in our church. Most definitely. So I talked to the church members who were behind the counter and... What do you think are the two questions they get the most? Hmm. Ah, uh, is one of them, is this going to make me shit my pants? <laughs> <Is that laughs> I would say it's a subset. That's a subset of the larger question of yeah. how will this make me feel? Hmm. Actually, it's a subset of both questions. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> it's probably at the heart of both questions, which is how will this make me feel and how much should I take? And the answer, and I'm, I'll add that as a third question, the answer mm. to those questions are that depends, that depends, and here comes a pun I did not plan. <laughs> uh, yeah. Am I going to shit my pants? That depends. <laughs> <laughs> That's depends. Another job for depends. <laughs> Great Moments in Weed History is brought to you by the Psychedelic Mushroom Church and Depends. 
Put them on before you go. No one has to know. Trip your balls off and shit your pants. Depends <laughs> has got you covered. Not the worst idea. You know what? Maybe we should start marketing uh, adult diapers for people who are tripping severely. It's like, so carefree. You know, it's <laughs> a great commercial. Just like running across a field as like shit. All right, it's getting a little, little graphic. <laughs> You can smash that ahead 30 second button if this is uh, getting too real for you. <laughs> too real. Uh, but in all seriousness, the church also does provide a good solid informational pamphlet to everyone who walks in the door. It talks about the history of psychedelic mushrooms, their religious use, proper dosage, set and setting, setting intentions for yourself. And it gets into a little bit of... The religious aspect that the church promotes most is this idea of, they call it a doctrine of religious evolution, but it really borrows pretty heavily from Terence McKenna's stoned ape theory. If we're looking for a missing link, it isn't a transitional skeleton, it isn't meddling by extraterrestrials, uh, at least not of the overt thousand-ton beryllium ship variety. It has to do with the fact that we began to allow into our diet an exotic pseudo-neurotransmitter that was part of the native flora of the grassland. And I believe this mushroom was the triggering factor that moved us from being an advanced hominid, an advanced animal, to being, in fact, a conscious, self-reflecting, caring, thinking, dreaming, striving human being. And here is my answer to this riddle. Where did human consciousness come from? Beautiful. All right. This is one of my favorite theories ever. I mean, at some point, I really think we should probably just do a full episode on this. And again, this is a hypothesis. Technically, you know, a lot of people would say this is not peer reviewed or whatever. Although, being an IP reviewed it personally and it does hold true. But yeah, like, you know, the, the idea that mushrooms have something to do with our human cognition, I think is a very compelling idea. If you do mushrooms, you will probably get a little bit of those vibes too. Absolutely. And I would just want to round this out by saying if this sounds really intriguing to you, now is an incredible time to get involved in activism around what's being called decriminalized nature. And so I would say check out a group called Decriminalized Nature. It's a national group, but they might have a local chapter where you live. Want to give a shout out to our friends at MAPS, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, which has been pushing for changes in these laws for decades. And, you know, this is, I think, really the logical next step as we push back against the larger war on drugs. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you want sort of ongoing updates and information, follow Maps on Instagram. It's Maps News. And then also Double Blind Magazine if you're looking for a more basic understanding. These two resources keep you up to date, keep you informed on what's going on with psychedelics in America today. Yes, and if you would like to donate to the newly formed Great Moments in Weed History Church of Weed and Psychedelics and probably some <laughs> other stuff, go to greatmomentsinweedhistory.com. It is now 
completely tax-free. You know, I'm done paying taxes for anything. We are also sovereign citizens, so we're just covered every which way here at Great Moments. I'm actually also an ordained internet minister from officiating a friend's wedding, so I think it's all legit. Yeah, it's coming together, man. Finally, our dream of starting a cult is <laughs> is coming together slowly but surely but thank you so much for that dude it's really fascinating and and heartening stuff awesome and you know do check out our episode about jesus and cannabis in the biblical era old and new testament oh and our christmas episode by the way which relates to psychedelic mushrooms which is a year-round uh story it doesn't just pertain to christmas <laughs> as you will learn and i think that brings us to our one dope thing for this one episode dope thing indeed all right so let me preface today's one dope thing by saying that you know whereas psychedelics the thing we've been discussing you know moves this conversation forward into new realms right our one dope thing today actually takes us back to earlier forms of this plant that we love, right? And actually dates all the way back to ancient Egypt, where this one simple item, which is still available to us and completely ubiquitous today, was used regularly, not only to light things, but actually to provide light, right? What I wanna to talk to you about today is a better way to light your flowers. So when you actually use this butane lighter to light your flowers, you're gonna be inhaling a lot more byproduct from the butane, right? The science on this is out, right? However, I think that your palate tells you more than anything. And that's why I know that Hempwick is the answer. Hemp fiber on its own is too dry. Oh, that's very tasty. It's too dry to hold a flame. So hemp wick is coated in beeswax. And this hemp beeswax coated fiber is what has been used since ancient Egypt, but also it makes your hits taste a lot better. If you're using matches, you know that you can taste that match head, you can taste that magnesium, right? When you're using a lighter, you might not realize it, but you are tasting a lot of butane. I taste more of my cannabis when I'm using my wick, right? Also, lighters are made from non-biodegradable plastic. So the more lighters we use, the more we're sort of expending butane from those lighters, finishing these non-refillable lighters off and throwing them into the recycling bin, we are doing our environment a disservice. Whereas if you just use a single spark, right, a one quick flame to light your hemp wick, your lighter will last you pretty much forever. So the next time you're in a smoke shop, grab yourself some hemp wick, especially if you are a bowl or bong smoker. We go to all kinds of pains to get the best cannabis possible with no particulate matter, with no uh, you know residue from cultivation in it. And then we light it up with a big old butane flame. Give it a try, grab one pack of Hempwick. It's literally like 50 cents or a dollar or something. It's one of the cheapest accoutrement you can get. That's pretty much it. Bean, I wanted to ask, what is your experience with lighters versus with Hempwick? Well, I'm gonna make one observation off the top. In 20 years of being a weed guy, Every time somebody offered me some weed and lit it with a hemp wick, it was top shelf weed. <laughs> so that shows you it's a real thing if you really care about the cannabis that you're growing, sharing, and consuming. 
Absolutely. And I just want to say the reason you might not be hearing about Hempwicks on your other weed podcasts, and we know you listen to them, that's fine, uh, <laughs> is because Big Lighter got to them, man. Every yeah. other <laughs> weed podcast is taking six and seven figure checks from Bic under the table to not talk about hemp wicks Mm -hmm. we turned them down we said get out of here we have 110 (laughs) people on patreon backing us (laughs) believing in us do you think we're gonna throw that in the garbage for a million or two million dollars fuck no yeah that's right big lighter also happens to be big lighter (laughs) the two things are completely synonymous also, I will say that there's a learning curve, right? Because I've been using a lighter for a long time. So at some point, if you're switching to hemp weight, you'll definitely do this. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and that hilarious sight gag, ladies and gentlemen, is only available to our Patreon subscribers That's right. <laughs> watching this right now. You can go to greatmomentsatweedhistory.com, join our church. You can tithe 10% of your weed all year to us. Uh, you can give us all of your personal possessions and uh, leave you your families behind yeah. to join us on the Great Moments in Weed History compound. The leader compound. is good. The leader is great. <laughs> yes. We surrender yes, our wills as of this day. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. No, 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 leader. No, 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 leader. Oh, boy. a good episode. Uh, of Great Moments in Weed History, I mean, not of The Simpsons. <laughs> moments in Weed, yeah, both. No, 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 of course. Every episode of both of those is fucking epic until you get to season 14. All right, so <laughs> we'll be in our seventies, yeah, but probably. Well, you know, we'll still be doing it. They'll be like, "You need to pull the plug on this show." We'll be like, "But we're finally making money off the merchandising." Yeah, our our branded depends are selling like hotcakes now. Our audience has aged with us. Ever since we legalized mushrooms and uh, you know, and VR became popular, we've been selling depends like hotcakes. <laughs> Also, don't put hotcakes on your butthole. They don't work. You need to pants. <laughs> don't mix those up. Why did they put the adult diapers in the same aisle as the hotcakes? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. This is also probably a good point uh, moment to point out to people that we just continue <laughs> nonsense jokery uh, whether whether we're recording or not. So there's no real yeah. clear end point on this one. I feel like uh, maybe we got to <laughs> smoke. Uh, you can have more of that delicious high 90s top shelf weed oh, out of a man. clean Sherlock lit by a hemp wick. And I'll uh, and smoke you- that protest resin there. Doing it for the cause. <laughs> Taking one for the team there, Bean. This is for yeah, you, yeah, North yeah, Dakota. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> smoke a piece of green. Until everybody can. <laughs> <laughs> or tomorrow, whichever comes first. Well, that was a fantastic story, Bean. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, I'm always glad to learn about the progress of the psychedelic movement. And uh, I hope that you and our listeners give Hempwick a chance. All right, good shit. We'll talk to you later, my dude. And thanks, everybody, for hanging out. See you next yeah, time. Yeah, we will see you next week. Weedness, Weedness day. day. There it is. It's not <laughs> even English. Well, that's the show, folks. Thanks so much for listening. And if you stuck around this long, please consider supporting us on Patreon. You can put five on it at greatmomentsinweedhistory.com. 
And that would really help us as we research, write, edit, and publish a new episode every Weedness Day. Great Moments in Weed History is written, produced, and performed by me, David Beanenstock, a.k.a. Bean. Special thanks to our sponsor, PAX. Go to PAX.com and use promo code GREATMOMENTS, all one word, for a big discount at checkout.